Is it secret? Is it safe? We all love that scene from the Fellowship movie, but how Tolkien wrote it is quite a bit different. We'll explore that and more as we start our wandering of the second chapter of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring, A Shadow of the Past. Now, let's wander. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's check the map. These map checks are inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books and are meant to help you get your bearings on today's tale. We are exploring the first part of the second chapter of Fellowship of the Ring. In the previous three episodes, we explored the long-expected party. Bilbo has vanished, Frodo is now the master of Bag End, and the gossip in the Shire continues. So here's a bit of Lord of the Rings trivia for you that if you've only seen the movies, might be surprising. Let's do a quiz. How much time passed between Bilbo's long-expected party and when Frodo left the Shire? Was it A, three weeks, B, three months, C, one year, D, 17 years? If this is your first time reading The Fellowship of the Ring and you've seen the movie, you likely guessed A, three weeks. That's about what it seems like in the film. However, it's actually D, 17 years. 17 years pass. The long-expected party happened when Frodo was 33. Remember, his age plus Bilbo's 111 equaled 144, one gross. In the beginning of the second chapter, A Shadow of the Past, Tolkien gives a couple of highlights of the next 17 years, but not a lot of detail until Frodo and Gandalf's final conversation. The Shire, it seems, continues in its traditional ways, with the hobbits discussing the party and even giving Bilbo the moniker Mad Baggins. Frodo carries on his own traditions, throwing shared birthday parties each year and looking just as preserved as Bilbo had. Gandalf also comes and goes sporadically throughout this time, quote, coming unexpectedly after dusk and going off without warning before sunrise. But even for a few years, Frodo hears nothing from Gandalf. But in 3008 of the Third Age, Frodo will have his last visit from Gandalf, and a few more years later will leave the Shire himself. Why the delay of 17 years? Tolkien was notorious for his timing and calendar, with long charts of dates all throughout the Second and Third Ages of Middle-earth. In Appendix B, you'll find the tale of years in which a timeline of dates was published. On the one hand, Gandalf would have needed some time to investigate. He had grown suspicious of Bilbo's ring only on the night of the party. And so for the next few years, he was gathering information. I'm sure he was counseling with Elrond and likely Saruman, and spending time in the archives and records of Gondor. In Gondor, we know that Faramir, the son of Denethor, was fond of Gandalf and would learn much from him. With Faramir being in his late teens and early twenties at this time, Perhaps the bulk of that tutelage occurred while Gandalf was researching in Gondor. Here's an oft-forgotten line from Appendix A about Faramir, quote, He welcomed Gandalf at such times as he came to the city of Minas Tirith, and he learned what he could from his wisdom. 
and in this, as in many other matters, he displeased his father. Practicalities of travel and research aside, I think Tolkien had another reason, somewhat more literary in value. If you read closely, you'll find a number of connections that Tolkien wants his reader to make between Frodo and Bilbo. Here's one, for instance. As Frodo is nearing his 50th birthday, he felt a certain significance in the number, quote, It was at any rate at that age that adventure had suddenly befallen Bilbo. Every fall, the time of year that Bilbo had his adventure, Frodo fills a certain pole to go wander. But also like Bilbo, who had a Baggins and a Took side fighting within him in the first chapter of The Hobbit, Frodo also has two sides, one drawing him away, the other counseling patience. Another connection. In the conversation that Gandalf and Frodo have in this chapter, the scene opens on a beautiful morning after breakfast at Bag End. To drive the point further, Tolkien tells us that, quote, Gandalf was thinking of a spring, nearly 80 years before, when Bilbo had run out of Bag End without a handkerchief. Clearly, Tolkien is again connecting in our minds as readers the two adventures of Bilbo and Frodo. This is one great tale interconnected and interwoven with the events of a grand legendarium. Even the hobbits, the more quote-unquote normal ones, are aware of some connection between their day and the old tales. As Sam and Ted Sandyman are debating at the Green Dragon, the conversation wanders from claims that Ents have been seen, quote, what about these tree men, these giants? To tales of elves sailing and leaving Middle-earth. To which even ignorant and provincial Ted replies, quote, Well, that isn't anything new, if you believe the old tales. This reveals that the hobbits, for as isolationist as they were, had some general knowledge of the elves leaving Middle-earth. But it also provides a demarcation, a boundary line, for those hobbits who distance themselves from elves and those who are intricately connected with them. Ted, for his part, stays away, quote, I don't see what it matters to me or you. Let them sail. He is representative of the vast majority of hobbits in the Shire. But Sam is different. He thinks he's actually seen an elf once, quote, and still hoped to see more one day. Sam even feels the weight and sadness of the merry elves leaving Middle-earth, quote, never to return. While most hobbits shy away from a connection with elves, one in particular is closely connected even more so than Sam. With more than one reference, Frodo shows his peculiarity with the elusive species of Iluvatar's children. Frodo, quote, was sometimes seen far from home, walking in the hills and woods under starlight. Starlight being the elves' preferred source of life, since they had awoken as a species before the creation of the sun and moon. His close friends, which include Merry, Pippin, Fulkel Boffin, and Fredegar Bulger, but interestingly not Sam, his friends, quote, suspected that he visited the elves at times. But their suspicions are somewhat confirmed, as we learn that Frodo, quote, was seen walking and talking with the strange warefarers that began at this time to appear in the Shire. I see in this a parallel idea. The hobbits separate themselves depending on their feelings toward the elves. The elves, for their part, had a much greater sundering, depending on their feelings toward the light of the two trees of Valinor. It's for that reason that different elves seem to have different levels of enlightenment. But you can go listen to episode 3 for that tale. I also see a foreshadowing here 
From the very beginning of Frodo's tale, we see the end of the elves' tale. They're leaving Middle-earth. We know, by virtue of Frodo's mission and burden, that he will be afforded a great honor, a place in the west near Valinor, to dwell on the Isle of Tol Eresea, near the Undying Lands with the elves. Before we go on, I know that you're loving this slow, deep dive into the chapters of the Fellowship of the Ring. There are other Middle-earth wanderers out there who are lost in the depths of lore. You can help them find their way by leaving a 5-star rating and review for this show wherever you're listening to it, on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. But also, think of someone you last had a great nerdy conversation with. Go ahead and text them a link to this episode. Now, before we get to the conversation between Frodo and Gandalf, I need to point out the introduction of another motif that we'll see pop up several times. Dreams, and specifically, Frodo's dreams. Dreams is a theme that we've seen before in The Hobbit. Bilbo had, quote, uncomfortable dreams after the unexpected party at Bag End, and was even somewhat dreaming of breakfast when the giant spider came upon him in Mirkwood. The whole chapter in Rivendale, Bilbo is nearly in a dreamlike state. But in The Lord of the Rings, and starting right in this chapter of Fellowship, Frodo's dreams will take on a higher level of importance. As Frodo is approaching his 50th birthday and starting to feel more and more the pull to leave the Shire, he wonders what lies outside the edges of the maps, and, quote, he found himself wondering at times about the wild lands and strange visions of mountains that he had never seen came into his dreams. There's not much detail there, but as we go forward, we'll see the power that dreams can have to reflect the psychological state of the characters in their confrontations with evil. We'll have a short break, and when we come back, we'll dig into the conversation between Gandalf and Frodo. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The bulk of this chapter is the conversation between Gandalf and Frodo. In this conversation, their last until Rivendell, Gandalf reveals much of what he has learned and about the history of the One Ring. But he doesn't cut straight to the point, as it were. In true Gandalf, and shall we say Tolkien style, he wanders around the crux of the issue, laying a great foundation from which the tale can properly launch. This portion of the conversation had been started the night before, but Gandalf cut it off waiting for the warmth of the sun in springtime in the Shire before he could tell Frodo of such dark things. I mention this because Gandalf in the book is so much more poised and, dare I say, confident than the frantic, anxious Gandalf we see in the movie. I get that Gandalf on screen has to convey a real sense of urgency and danger in that visual format, but I think it does a disservice to a Gandalf who was confident enough to blow out smoke rings after a late breakfast before discussing the matter of Sauron's one ruling ring. Nevertheless, Frodo's question begins the conversation, quote, 
You say the ring is dangerous, far more dangerous than I guess. In what way? Oh, Frodo, if you only knew then what we know now. Gandalf begins with proper context and background. Quote, In Eregion, long ago, many elven rings were made. Let's break that down before we go further. Eregion is a region to the southeast of the Shire, but still on the west side of the Misty Mountains. There, Celebrimbor, the master craftsman of the elves, had a great friendship with the dwarves of Moria. Also there, the Lord Sauron came in a fair, disguised form as Anatar, the Lord of Gifts. With his knowledge of craftsmanship, he tapped into the elves' desire for preservation and also Celebrimbor's hubris to create something masterful, like his grandfather, Feanor, had done with the three Silmarils. With that knowledge and desire, the elves did create many rings. Now, for those who thought it would be easy to spot a ring of power, Gandalf continues, quote, Magic rings, as you call them, and they were, of course, of various kinds, some more potent and some less. The lesser rings were only essays in the craft before it was full-grown, and to the elven smiths, they were but trifles. When I read this, I don't yet think of the rings that were crafted together as the seven, the nine, and the three. Those rings, collectively, are the great rings, the rings of power. So it would seem that as practice, the elves of Eregion created many rings, though less than the great ones, but as Gandalf warns, quote, still to my mind, dangerous for mortals. So when Bilbo picked up a golden ring in a cave, it's possible, and probably more than likely, that the ring could have been one of those lesser rings. Not with the same power of a great ring, but in Gandalf's opinion, not for mortal creatures, of which Bilbo clearly was. So we can't blame Gandalf for not being suspicious of Bilbo's ring for decades. He would have expected many of the qualities to be present. Preservation and long life, perhaps not a big deal to an elf, would be contra-natural for a mortal. It wasn't until the additional possessiveness and Bilbo's strange attachment to the ring that piqued Gandalf's suspicions. However, he now knows, as he begins to explain the mechanics of the great rings to Frodo, quote, a mortal who keeps one of the great rings does not die, but he does not grow or obtain more life. He merely continues, until at last every minute is a weariness. We see here the main purpose of the rings, to preserve life in a way that the elves loved. Their immortality was part of their natures. Their hopes with the rings were to preserve the memory of Middle-earth, and perhaps with hope to make Middle-earth as glorious and beautiful of a land as Valinor. Gandalf continues that those mortals who use the ring too often will fade, eventually to be in the sight of the evil power that controls the rings permanently. Here we can think of the nine Nazgul, the once great kings of men, who are now neither living nor dead, but must obey the will of their master and his ring. But there is some hope. Depending on the nature of the ring-bearer, the devouring evil can be held at bay. Hence, why hobbits are the ideal bearers of a ring of power, if a mortal is indeed tasked to bear it. Their childlike nature, their goodness and wholesomeness, enables them to be more resilient to the evil pull of a ring of power. Frodo is only beginning to feel the weight of his burden. Quote, how terrifying, he responds, but he's not entirely lost yet. 
The sound of Sam's cutting the lawn grounds Frodo, and us, still in the Shire, still in the daylight of spring. But the conversation, and the story, is about to take a dark turn, and we'll get to that next time. Join me in the next episode, where we will explore the origins of the One Ring. Thank you for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within five or ten minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.